Welcome back to Badass Women 50 Plus, a show that we originally conceived of for the over 50 women, as I am 87. But time has taught me that many of the issues that we face are less age-specific than originally thought. I mean, some of the stuff that concerns us when we're young may seem a lot different from what we face later on, but tuh, they're really just dressed up in different garb. Oh yeah, it's true, circumstances and advancing years can be the kerosene that sets the flame of fire, you know, of anxiety, loneliness, and depression, but uh, nonetheless, problem-solving ability is not age-specific. And this is the attribute that makes life always turn the corner and go uphill. Now, to make this point, watch how during lockdown, our very first guest, Alessandra Soto, in trying to get her peers to engage in an issue that troubles her, led her to this solution. My name is Alessandra Isabel Soto Avalos, and I'm here to talk about the environment. So, um, when you put garbage in the floor and grass, that makes our 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 planet. It'll get really, really messy. And also, but if you clean up, then it won't be that messed up. So, all you have to do is just put garbage in the garbage can. And then everything will be all clean again. Okay? You just have to try your best. Alright? Bye, everybody. See you other day. We are always faced with challenges, and it is our problem-solving skills that enable us to overcome. Now, I'm 87, my co-host Maria is less than half my age, and our first guest, as you saw, well, res ipsa loquita. I wear many hats. I'm a psychotherapist, a producer, director, and actor, and all of my skills are at your service. The subject of today's show is red flags, those pesky little signals that we ignore at our own peril that tell us that we are headed down the wrong road. Here's a little comic strip that makes that point. When I was 33, I thought I knew everything. I was married to a brilliant, loving man. We were in a beautiful apartment and I was a working actress. And then suddenly, my young husband died. It felt like the world had stopped, yet everything outside kept spinning, leaving me in a daze. And it was in this state of vulnerability that others saw an opportunity and went for it. His estate had been valued at $10 million, and that was in 1967 dollars, which today, conservatively invested, would be worth well, well over $100 million. However, it wasn't dollars that were in the estate. It was stock in a new corporate entity that my husband had set up with two of his very dearest friends. The first red flag that I ignored was the two friends showing up at the hospital along with the company attorney, though it seemed odd and I wondered why I didn't question it. It turns out that it was to have my dying husband sign over how the stock was controlled. That meant that I could not sell any stock without their approval, and as time went by, I was increasingly cash poor. Red flag number two, 
the friends that had been an intricate part of our day-to-day life were increasingly missing in action. Red flag number three, every request that I made to sell stock was met with a never-ending stream of reasons why it was ill-advised. Now, I had grown up in a working-class family, and the intricacies of high finance were way over my head, so I hired an attorney, and let's call him Thomas, who was a partner in one of the city's top law firms and to whom I paid a hefty retainer. Throughout the next two years, my attorney, Thomas, kept insisting that I abide by the advice of the two best friends. Eventually, the company was taken over by another, and ultimately, it crashed. Now, it turns out that the IRS taxes an inheritance on the value of the estate at the time of death regardless of whether one gets those assets or not. I was in a dire situation. The only asset that I had was my home, and even that wouldn't be enough to pay the taxes. It was in Thomas's office that I learned this little fact about how the IRS works. Red flag number four, as I sat across from him in his now huge office overlooking Central Park, he swiveled in his chair so that his back was to me and broke this news. I began to cry. And by way of consolation, he said, quote, sell your apartment, take the money, go live in another country, they'll have a hard time getting you back, unquote. I left his office in a stupor. I had a friend, a savvy business guy, and when I told him the scenario, he saw nothing but red flags. You've been had, he said, and by your lawyer too. I want you to talk to a judge that I know. The judge asked for two things, all the paperwork and a retainer. The former was easy, but I had to take a loan for the retainer. He advised that if he found what he suspected, he could get the two men to pay the taxes, but he would not undertake a lawsuit to recover the swindled money because he would not sue another attorney. Well, his suspicions turned out to be correct. The two friends had sold off their stock while the going was good, and by not selling mine, it kept the price of theirs high. The judge figured that they probably paid off my attorney to look the other way, so they paid the taxes and I kept my home. Years later, I learned that I should have sued them all and probably would have won or at least gotten a settlement. It was a hard lesson to learn, but it taught me to pay close attention to my feminine instincts. Now, I ask questions until I get the answers that take the concerns I feel away, and if I don't get a straight answer and any uneasiness lingers, well then, I am out of there. Tuning into my feminine intuition has resulted in an extremely successful life, and no one has ever taken advantage of me again because They have never been given the slightest opportunity to do so. Hi, I'm Maria Sikor, actress, filmmaker, and political activist. In the 90s, Miami was a hot destination. A few times a year, I would jump on a plane and head there to dance, drink, lay in the sun, meet fabulous people, take tons of pictures, no social media, of course. 
One spring break, I decided to up my game and stay at the Fountain Blue. It was way beyond my budget, but I knew how raunchy South Beach could get. So there I was at the Fountain Blue, mini bar, room service, music, Latino culture. It was my perfect utopia from the cold up north. At a typical dinner, I was introduced to models, entrepreneurs, artists. Then there was Gina, who I thought was the perfect it girl. I was a Jersey girl who had to worry about rent, car payments, and getting an acting job. But in Miami with Gina, I went to the Versace mansion. Maybe I showed up in denim shorts, heels, and a fancy blouse. But when you're young, you look good and dress for less. But Gina, she drove a Mercedes, had diamonds and a gorgeous condo. I was in awe of how glamorous she was. Where the money came from, I really didn't think about it. Eventually, the real world beckoned. I get back on the plane, in economy of course, and head back home. The very moment I get in, there's a message from Gina and immediately I called her back. We speak all night long and practically every day after that. Summer was upon us and she came up with a plan to come to New Jersey so we could hang out. I was so excited, I just couldn't wait. I pick her up at the airport and we drive straight to her hotel, the Five Star Peninsula in Manhattan. She tells me to valet my car, so I do. She checks in, the reservation isn't in her name. It's in her boyfriend's name and he wasn't there yet. She had no credit card, no cash. Even I had two credit cards at the time with a zero balance. I felt for my new best friend, so instead, I put my credit card down for one night until her boyfriend would arrive, who was scheduled to fly in that same day. He didn't arrive until two days later, but I was at ease. No issues, we have the best time together. We spend the days walking around the city, then back to the hotel, dress up, go to dinner, then to the clubs, and stay out until everything closes. On the third day, I pick her up, and her boyfriend is there, but they already checked out, and were ready to check into a Holiday Inn. Hmm. Her boyfriend kind of surprised me. I expect him to be as upscale as Gina. Instead, it looked to me like he was strung out, but I shrugged it off. He gives me $2,000 in cash. I say, this is too much money. He says, no problem, thanks for taking care of my Gina. I accept and tell him how wonderful she is and that it was my absolute pleasure. So that night we go to a steakhouse and he orders an elaborate dinner and a $600 bottle of wine. Again, all of this seems normal. When the check comes, I offer to pay my part. He refuses and pulls out a huge wad of cash. We go to the cigar lounge in the back and Gina and her boyfriend decide to do a line of Coke and then to meet their friends across the street at another lounge. For me, Coke was a definite no-no. A red flag begins struggling to wave. When we enter the lounge, her boyfriend is greeted by three shady characters and they begin to have some sort of agitated conversation. I feel uncomfortable and tell Gina I'm going to the ladies room and she follows. We wait in a short line and for once, we don't say a word to one another. We enter the bathroom and I say to her, who are those men? 
She begins to cry. She proceeds to tell me that her boyfriend is a cocaine dealer. I'm in a panic. The last thing I needed was to be involved with anyone doing anything illegal. I know I've got to get out of there, but how without hurting her feelings? I say something consoling and I tell her I have to use the toilet and I'll meet her at the bar. I call a friend and I say, don't ask me any questions, just call me on the phone in 10 minutes. I return all smiley until my call comes in and I babble something about having to get back to New Jersey as I've got an early morning audition and I'm like kissy kissy, but out of there like a bat out of hell. I had sleepless nights replaying over in my mind all the red flags I was so blind to. Ultimately, Gina's boyfriend got arrested and she did too. The story got in the papers and by that time, the perfect it girl had a missing front tooth. Maybe he knocked it out. Maybe it was the feds who took all of her belongings. I will never know and I do not want to. It was a long time before I struck up an instant friendship again. And though it wasn't Miami's fault, I didn't return until years later and only visited the friends who earned my trust over the many years. The thing with red flags is that more times than not, we are blind to them. It is not something that we do on purpose. As a child, I was taught about red flags, but only those my parents wanted me to see. As a middle-aged woman, looking back on my childhood, I couldn't see the red flags that were waving all around me when it came to substance abuse. I was surrounded by a family who normalized the altered state of mind simply as a way to escape the pain of life. I like to say that, you know, the heavy stench of vodka and the sweet smell of wine really, really linger throughout my childhood memories. Although I was never a big drinker and I was always, always too afraid to take drugs, I was conditioned to living in and contributing to chaos. My first husband and I, we were both in the entertainment industry and he was a big drinker and a drug abuser when I met him. However, when we were first married, he was sober for a few years and life was good. We had a beautiful baby boy. I stayed home to care for him and my husband went out and he worked and he did the gigging and he did the entertaining and it was more and more gigs and more and more late nights and it really, really took a toll on him physically and emotionally. And as a result, it took a toll on our marriage. He returned to these substances. I just didn't know to what end. And I had no idea until one night I walked in with our eight month old son to my husband and his bandmates smoking crack at our kitchen table. The faces were familiar, but the glass pipes, white powdered razor blades, 
and lighters were all foreign. The only thing recognizable on that table were the spoons that I fed my family with. And a terrible sick feeling washed over my entire body as the obvious began to take shape. The four men, one which was my husband, were silenced by my arrival. They looked up at me, and as I listened to the classic rock blaring in the background, it was muffled because all I could do was look at my little baby boy. I exploded. I said, get out of my house. Take your drugs and get out before I call the police. Listen, I was 22 years old speaking to these men that were old enough to be my parents. I was trying to save my husband. I was trying to save the life of my marriage. I was trying to save my son and the damage that it would ultimately impose on him. So they left. The guys all left. I put my son to bed, threw away the spoons that were caked over by residue, and called a rehab facility for my husband. That was really the first of many red flags that I was finally able to see flying right in front of me. But things are different for me today. 20 years later, I met my soulmate, my now husband, and love of my life. I believe that the red flags of our past truly prepare us for a better future. They become life's markers and keep us navigating down a steady course. My husband and I have been together just inside 10 years. And I did get my happily ever after. Addiction is incredibly painful. And on top of that, there is the massive social stigma that surrounds it. So for those reasons, family members and friends often turn a blind eye to what is actually going on. Because sometimes it's just easier to pretend that there isn't a problem. However, doing so helps no one. Facing the addiction head-on, as Jill did, allowed her to take control of her own well-being. She realized that her husband's addictions would not only damage him and her, but it would be damaging to their child. Now, people who love those in active addictions often find themselves having to deal with their own disorder, and that is known as codependency. By understanding this truth, you can make the changes needed. Unfortunately, as hard as Jill tried, recovery for her late husband wasn't achievable, but because she refused to drown along with him, she and her child have gone on to live a very happy life. Hello, my name is Gail Gensler. I'm a pro-aging fitness enthusiast. My goal is to change the narrative about aging through fitness and embracing a healthy lifestyle. I am here to inspire younger generations to not fear the years and to motivate my peers to never take their wellness for granted. 
I've always been athletic and I just kept on doing different things as I got older. The more I looked, the more I realized that all brands were excluding people like me. And I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I'm onto something. And that started me on my journey. I do want to tell you about a story that I think is quite relevant. I had never heard the term red flag before in my life. And I actually sought some therapy as I was getting divorced because I had absolutely no idea how to handle what I was going through at the time. I really never focused in my life on getting married, but I thought it was love at first sight at that time. And I will say that much to my parents' dismay, I did get engaged very quickly and married shortly thereafter. I saw these red flags myself. We had discussions about his prior relationships and why those had failed. But of course, again, you always think you're different than all the prior women, and you're always looking to see your potential spouse in the best light possible. People did point things out to me, and I just forged forward. I got the first inkling that something was not quite correct. Somewhat early on into the relationship, we were living in an apartment that I had just bought right before I met him. And he had had a dream to always have a sports car. And I'm quite prudent and logical when it comes to finances. And I said, you know, I just don't think this is the right time. Uh, I came to find out that behind my back, he went and he purchased this said luxury vehicle anyway and hid it from me. That was the first notch that he fell down in some of my admiration for him. As we then went on, I was realizing that there were things going on at his job but he was always okay, and everybody else was always not okay. And as I would hear stories about what was going on with work, I started to see patterns. And the pattern was, I'm okay, you're not okay. And uh, he subsequently got fired from that job. As we then went on, I was realizing that there were things going on I did not know that he was shooting up steroids and doing things that would alter his personality. And I, I had just had my daughter and I'm home. And I remember I was in the rocking chair I had bought and I get a phone call, don't know the number. And gentleman says, is this Gail? And I said, yes, it is. May I ask who I'm speaking with? I'm thinking it's a business call. And he says, I need to tell you a story about your husband. One of the caveats for my ex-wife to continue to get her alimony besides the child support was that she could not have a man in her home. And to ensure that these things didn't happen, he hired a private investigator to watch 24-7. He called me to say that my husband was spending time at his former wife's house. And that phone call was the absolute end. As they say, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. When this final thing happened, as soon as my then husband walked into my apartment, I said, you can pack up every last thing that you have. This is two weeks after I've had my daughter, two weeks. And I said, you can now pack up 
every last thing you can get out of my apartment and I will have an attorney get in touch with you. And this just blew me away. I, I could not believe that this was the same person that I had trusted with my heart, my soul, my, my future finances. It was mind blowing that this was actually the same person. When I look back on it, if I had the wisdom that I have today, I would say to anybody, whether you're young or old, the most important relationship that you're ever going to have is with yourself. I believe that you will have the self-awareness to see the red flags. Hindsight may be 2020 vision, but foresight is better, especially when it comes to romance. As Gail so markedly pointed out, when a man consistently blames the other party for all his past breakups, you can bet the same thing is going to happen to you. Past relationship history is key to understanding a man. If he badmouths his ex, and if all the women in his past were crazy, watch out. That's a huge red flag, and it's waving right at you. Relationships that bring contentment, now whether it's in friendship or romance, are those in which there is no imbalance of power. When anyone that you're close to tries to manipulate you to not question, do not challenge in exchange for love and stability, the very things that should occur naturally, that is a red flag. Before we close with the great singer, Judy Scott, remember, we are on at 7.30, the last Tuesday of every month. And don't forget to check us out on social. Now, take it away, Judy. There may be trouble ahead.